Pastor Mark, he's been talking about faith the past several weeks. And you may have heard the message where he talked about start believing God in the little things. And uh, we didn't believe God in the little things. On our way down, we didn't pray about our drive going down. And I grew up praying for drives. My parents would always pray for traveling mercies, uh, tra- traveling mercies. And I'm like, I started getting in the concordance when I got old enough to read, and I'm like, there's no such thing as traveling mercies. Like, what are they praying for? These traveling mercies. Maybe that's in the gospel of, you know, Rufus or something. I, I couldn't find it, traveling mercies, so we didn't think to pray. Well, our kids were going nuts. So uh, my mom, uh, she actually had surgery on Friday. She's battling a little bit of cancer, so that when you think of her, pray for my mom. And uh, so on the way back, we've been praying for all kinds of things in my family. So my mom, she decided that she was going to pray for us, that we'd have a good drive back. We prayed for traveling mercies. And the kids didn't cry the whole 14-hour drive home. So we, uh, God answers little prayers. So trust God in the little things in your life, and God will answer your prayers. Uh, Pastor Mark, if you were hoping to hear him this morning, I apologize. Uh, he has the opportunity to preach and teach really all over the place, and we're all a part of that here at this church. And he's in Phoenix this morning preaching. He'll be back next Sunday. So uh, keep him in your prayers as he's out traveling about. Well, today I want to talk for just a few minutes about the idea of being connected, the idea of being connected in God's family. The big idea of what happens when you decide to plant yourself and connect in God's family. I just want to open up in a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this amazing church. We thank you for the difference that we get to make really around the world. It's hard for marriages and for strong families. It's hard for people that are without and those that are struggling and those that feel like there's no one there for them. God, I thank you for a church that we get to be a part of that is a part of all of those things. Lord, I pray for that you would be very present in our time together, no matter what campus people find themselves at this morning. I thank you that it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by your spirit, God. We thank you for what you're doing in the heart of each person today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to read four consecutive scriptures that I believe point us to this idea of being connected, the idea of being planted, the idea of being in God's family and connected to him and connected to other people. The first scripture is found in Romans chapter 12, reading in uh, verse 3 through 5. I'll read it. It says, for the, the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in the accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so it is in Christ. We who are many form one body, and each member belongs. That word belongs. We belong to the others. We belong to the others. Another scripture in Galatians chapter 6, it says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong, there's that word again, belong to the family of believers. A couple verses in Psalm, Psalm chapter 68, these are great. It says, a father to the fatherless. And we live in a world today that doesn't have a lot of fathers. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, uh, is God in his holy dwelling. Now this next verse is key as we talk about being connected and living life in spiritual family the way God intends. It says this, it says, God sets the lonely in families. He sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. Last verse I want to read, Psalm 92. 
couple verses there, it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. So it talks about flourishing, talks about growing. And it says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and they'll stay green. That sounds pretty good, staying fresh and staying green, bearing fruit in old age. A lot better than being dry, dying, and dead. But being planted in God's house, we stay fresh and we continue to produce fruit. And then at last verse, it says, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. I believe the Bible teaches us the value of being connected and planted in spiritual family. See, we live in a world today that seems so disconnected, so isolated, so uprooted from anything that is solid. But God's word tells us that he plants within us the longing for belonging. He, t- he, he put that inside of us, that we weren't meant to do life all by ourselves. We weren't meant to do life alone. This is especially true in the context of faith. That if you're here today and you're someone that's saying, you know what, I've said yes to Jesus Christ in my life. That inside of you, there's this sense that God's got a purpose for your life. That there's a mission that you're supposed to be about. That there's this deep sense that I need to be doing these things. Not doing these things, but I need to be doing these things. Serving God, loving others. And the only way to fulfill that purpose in your life is to do uh, life with God's people. To be connected to Him and connected to God's people. As you look at God's Word, those scriptures we read, that's what it teaches. In fact, if you look at the life of Christ, if there was anybody who could have been a lone oak out in the field, it was Jesus Christ. If anyone could have gone solo, it was Jesus. If anyone could have been Rambo out there just declaring war on the world with his bow and arrow that blows things up and just one man wrecking machine, it could have been Jesus. But he decided to do life with others. God himself become flesh. Fullness of the God that does life with others in the context of relationship. He decided to include, decided to connect. He brought these disciples into his life and he wasn't that lone oak out in the field, but he decided, you know what, I'm going to do life with others and create a kind of a grove where people could be planted and connected and do life in relationship and learn. I'm so glad that our Lord and Savior decided to do life with others. He made that decision. The, now, when I look at my life, I look at my life, and I haven't, I haven't always made the greatest decisions in my life. I've got a whole laundry list of really bad decisions. I haven't always made the right decisions. But I can think of three decisions that I've made that were pretty good decisions. Three decisions that have impacted literally everything in my life. Three decisions. The first decision that I made that impacted everything in my life was then that when I said yes to Jesus Christ. When I accepted him in my life, it was hardly a decision of my own, to be honest. Uh, my parents, we, I was raised in, in the church. My mom, she grew up Catholic. My dad, he grew up Lutheran. I call them Catherines. Uh, probably a lot of Catherines here this morning. Catholics and Lutherans getting married. And uh, my parents, when they first got married, they said yes to Jesus. They made a real personal decision. You know what? I'm going to say yes to God, and I'm going to be planted in a local church. So I, that's how I grew up. I grew up in the local church, and at a really young age, said yes to Jesus. Best decision I ever made was when I said yes to Jesus Christ. Now, the second best decision I ever made uh, was when I said yes to my wife, Dana, when she asked me to marry her. You're laughing because you know it's not true. You've all seen the picture of her, and she's much better than I am. And uh, I was, man, I was in love with my wife far before she was ever in love with me. A uh, little piece of advice, if you're uh, pursuing somebody and you lead out with, I love you, and you get back, I like you too. Uh, <laughs> 
probably ought to stop right there and pursue somebody else. But anyway, I love my wife, and I couldn't wait to ask her to marry me. In fact, when I asked her dad for my wife's hand in marriage, it took me like a whole 15 minutes to chase my wife down to my car and ask her to marry me. I couldn't wait to marry my wife. Second best decision I ever made was the day I asked my wife to marry me. So much of life is determined by who you decide to do life with, especially in the idea of covenant and marriage. And uh, I'm glad I asked my wife to marry me. Third best decision, first one, was when I accepted Christ. Second one is who I married. Third best decision I ever made was when I decided to be planted and connected in God's family in the context of the local church. Uh, When I was 16 years old, uh, I found myself doing life with a group of people outside of the family of believers. And I found myself doing a lot of things other than pursuing God. Uh, the people I was hanging out with had zero interest in the pursuit of a relationship with God. Had zero interest in connection with the local church. Had zero interest in the mission of the church, which really should be all of our mission, to love God, love others, to go and to make disciples. Had no interest in those things. Had a lot of interest in other things. And that's what I found myself being quite interested in doing. Doing all these conflicting things that inside of me... I wanted to pursue Christ, I wanted to pursue the church, I wanted to pursue these things, but I kind of found myself living this double life. And when I was 16, I went up to my pastor and said, you know what, I'm not really happy with how I'm living my life. I keep on doing these things, but I want to be pursuing God. What's going on? Something isn't working in my life. And I was challenged to two things. I want to challenge you guys with this this morning. The first one was to stop doing life. To stop having my primary influence come from those outside of the family of faith. I was living life and being primarily influenced by those that were outside of the kingdom of God, outside of the church. And then the second thing was to develop intentional relationships within the family of believers. Intentional relationships with people, with inside the church, to do life with other people. And I made that decision when I was 16 years old. And I made some hard decisions. I decided to say goodbye to some very good friends and decided to say hello to some people that I wasn't sure I wanted to be friends with. And I decided to do life a little differently. And it was a weird church at times. It wasn't a perfect church. There's no perfect churches, just so you know. And this was kind of a weird one. In fact, this is kind of during the 80s and 90s. And the 80s and 90s were just a weird couple of decades. I'll just tell you, it was a little bit weird at that time. You can watch like MTV flashback stuff. And it, it, people were dressing weird. It was just a weird time. And we, we weren't a perfect church. We, man, we'd have like three, four-hour services at times. Our senior pastor was also the worship leader. So we just, man, we would sing forever. He would he'd look out at his piano player and just say, uh, what's that one song? And it was like request line at times. He's just looking out in the audience like, who's got a song they want to sing? And, and just taking requests from people. And we'd sing for like an hour and a half. Then he'd preach. And then we'd sing some more. And it wasn't a perfect church. None of my friends from outside the church wanted to come. It wasn't perfect. But I'm glad I made the decision. I'm glad I made the decision to connect in with God's people. I'm glad I made that decision. Uh, it was different at times. There wasn't a lot of people I would have chosen to be friends with. But I'm glad I made that decision because I knew, I didn't know, I didn't know if I was going to make it if I didn't connect with other people. You know what's interesting? When I look back at my life and, and I look at the opportunities and the moments that I've experienced these past 17 years of being in God's family and the difference that has made in my life, 
All those decisions, all the dominoes that have fallen because of just saying yes to Jesus Christ, but then also saying yes to being planted in spiritual family. So much of my life today has been determined by just those decisions, saying yes and setting myself in spiritual family as we read in those scriptures. I can tell you something, life is different. Life is amazingly different when you decide to set yourself and connect yourself and plant yourself in spiritual family. Maybe you're here today and you've been just kind of coming to church, you just kind of checking things out. I kind of call it dating the church. You're just kind of checking things out. I want to encourage you that there are benefits and blessings. There are results and there are opportunities when you decide to plant yourself in Celebration Church. The difference that it makes when you plant yourself in the house of God. I want to break down that difference to make it just really, really simple on us. Break it down. I want to give you just five things, five results that I believe happen when you decide to say yes and plant yourself in family. The idea of what happens when you set yourself in God's family. Even at times, it might be different. Even at times, if not everyone gets you or you get everybody else, but you decide to say yes. The first thing I found when you decide to plant yourself in the local church is this. Number one, it builds your beliefs. It builds your beliefs. I mean, we live in a world today that has a huge deficit Generations all around us that have a huge belief deficit. We don't know what to believe. I'm not talking about like young people and old people. I'm talking about people. People don't know what to believe today. What do we believe? We don't know what we believe. And by being planted in church you learn what to believe. That's where your beliefs are built. One of the reasons why we say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday, this ancient creed that's been the foundation of Christian churches for centuries, is that we learn what to believe. You learn it in the local church. That's what happens every time you show up at Celebration Church and you hear a message or you hear a sermon or you connect with a smaller group of people. We're getting ready to do life groups. You saw that video play before the service. And we're getting ready to do these life groups. These are smaller groups of people getting together to share life, to encourage each other, to pray for one another. That's what happens. It's another brick in the wall. We'd encourage you, find a group of people to connect with. It might start with just saying, hey, you want to go? Let's have lunch after church. Let's get a cup of coffee this week. Get to know other people you go to church with. It's another brick that God is using to build your life. My beliefs today, I'm able to pass down. I'm able to pass down to the next generation. I'm able to pass down to my children. Things I've believed about Praying over the little things were passed down to me from somebody. We're able to pass that down, and it's built by being in God's house and hearing his word. Because faith comes by what? By, by hearing, hearing God's word. So the first thing is that our beliefs are built. The second thing that I believe is the result is that it gives you a place to belong a sense of belonging. And we so need that sense of belonging in today's world. There's some of you here today and you might say, you know what? I don't feel like I belong. There, there, there may have been something that happened in natural family, something that happened in church, at work, in friendships, in school. Something's happened, but you feel like, you know what? I don't have this sense of belonging and you desire belonging. I believe in us is a desire that God put within us to belong. And to belong in the context of God's family. Where do you find it? You find it in the local church. And you deserve a sense of belonging in your life. And you might be saying, well, Bob, can't I believe without belonging? Thing is, you just won't do it for very long. 
I've seen so many people that thought that they could believe and not belong and how they've just their lives have deteriorated, how far away they are from serving Christ. It's hard to believe and not belong in family. There's just so much out there that comes against us. You know what I found out? That that scripture is true, that there's no fruit when you're out there floating around. But when you decide to plant yourself, that's where green comes. That's where growth comes. That's where, that's where you're able to be fresh and fruitful and multiply. It's the sense of flourishing. There's a sense of belonging, I believe, in God's house. Here's the third thing. First one, it builds your beliefs. All these are important. It builds your beliefs when you get planted. There's a sense of belonging. And the third thing is this. It helps you to become all who God wants you to be. It so helps you. You know, when I look at my life, the fact that I was raised by my parents who decided to plant themselves in church and I learned things like how to be a dad, how to be a husband, how to be a friend, how to pursue God, how to repent, how to ask for forgiveness, how to live a life that's being transformed. And then when I made that decision on my own to say, you know what, I'm gonna plant myself in the church, the difference that it's made in my life. It's made such a difference in my life. When I got connected in church, I started realizing how to, how to be a servant, learned how to be a servant, learned, I'm learning how to be a giver, I'm learning how to be someone that wants to build, how to release what I have to others. You learn that in the context of God's family. Right here in Celebration Church, you can become all who God wants you to be. You can learn it by being connected. It might be a life group. It might be uh, that find your fit card that Pastor Lathan showed you just earlier. It might be finding a place to connect, working with the kids, ushers, greeters, all these different things, but getting to know other people and saying yes to family by being planted and connected. It's amazing. You can be around people that maybe are a little bit more victorious in their life, maybe even serving God a little bit longer, and you can learn some things. You know, I'll never forget sitting down with my first life group after I made the decision to really serve Christ. Uh, just a small group of people getting together, sharing life together on a regular basis, doing life together. I was learning how to become a believer. I was learning how to have transformation in my life. I was learning things. Roots were being planted inside of me that were deep, that were never going to leave. You learn how to become who God wants you to be when you're planted in the church. And here's the fourth thing. Fourth result of being planted in church is that it teaches you how to behave. How many people here would say, I haven't always behaved. I'm, I'm one of you. I haven't always behaved. And if we wanted, what we could do is we could have a three or four hour service and we could just open up the request line and I could tell you stories about how I haven't behaved. But we won't do that. I don't have time for, to tell you all the stories about how I haven't behaved. But I learned how to behave by being with God's people in God's house. And you just learn like, you know, this is not a real great way to get along in life, to always be angry, to always want to be picking a fight, to have this pride inside of you. And something comes inside and kind of checks your heart when you're doing life with other people and you're like, you know, that's just not a whole lot like Christ. And you wanted to see change happen in your life. There's people praying with you through the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Something comes in and you see change in your life. I've got a secret. I still don't behave all the time, but I've been hanging out with lots of holy men like Pastor Lathan and I'm learning how to behave, how to be a good boy. Come on, encourage Pastor Lathan. He's a holy man. Encourage him this morning. Just kidding. You learn how to behave by submitting yourself in worship and being in prayer, hearing God's word. You learn that by being planted in the church. And the the last thing, especially I think as it relates to being a part of this amazing church, is that you get to live so much more of a bigger life. So much more of a bigger life when you're connected and planted in church, being set in family. Where else can we reach the people that we reach? 
We're getting ready to send some people to uh, El Salvador to build water wells. During Christmas, we raised money uh, as a church, people coming together to do something for other people that we'll never meet or see. Pastor Mark had the opportunity to go to South Africa. That's, we're all a part of that and minister to people across the world. We have a group of youth that just got back from Joplin, part of a missions trip there, helping rebuild after the tornado. We've got people going to Joplin. The things that we're able to do across the world, all the people that download the sermons here and are ministered to by them. We get to all be a part of that. You get to live so much more of a bigger life by coming together and being planted and bringing your resources and circulating with other people. We get to be so much bigger than we would if we were isolated and all by ourselves. It's amazing that we are so much better together. We're way better together. We can never do that all on our own. And you learn that in the context of God's family. You belong to others. It's God's heart for you that you would do life with other people. I want to encourage you today. Don't do life all alone. Don't do life in isolation. Don't do life separated. Don't do life on that deserted island all by yourself. But do life together. Do life with God's people. Do life in God's pack. You say, well, Bob, Bob isn't it risky? And it is. And I've, I've thought about this. Like I said, I've got three uh, toddlers. I've got three little kids at home. So we watch like two channels on TV. We, we love watching TV in my house. And so we, we pop on Nick Jr. and we watch the Disney Channel. And I can tell you everything that's going on in the life. I catch up on it every night. Every night I catch up on what's going on in the life of Phineas and Ferb and Dora the Explorer. I can tell you everything that's going on in their life. And it's real macho and manly watching these channels, you know. So, so every now and then what I'll do is I'll change, I'll change to the animal channel. And, and watch that to feel a little bit more macho about myself. And, and you've all seen this. It's on a National Geographic or it's on the Animal Channel. And you've got the African Serengeti, right? And you've got a pack of wildebeest. This happens all the time. You've got a pack of wildebeest and they all get together, right? And you've got, you've got the young ones. You've got the young, small ones in the middle and you've got the older, wiser ones on the outside. And the, the, the older ones, they've seen some things and they're kind of watching and they're checking things out, right? Because what's over over there across the, the field? What's over there? It's a pack of lions. And they're just kind of hanging out and they got their ears twitching and arms are dangling off a tree, tails are wagging and they're just kind of yawning, checking things out and they're, they're watching the wildebeest and they're waiting for one of them to go wander away from the pack, right? This happens every time. So you, what you've got is you've got little Rufus, little Rufus in the middle of the pack, and he sees a lily or a butterfly, and he just starts wandering off chasing this butterfly. And you've got the, the older ones at the pack, and they're yelling back at Rufus, Rufus, get back here, get back in the pack, get back in the family. There's a lion out there. And what's the little Rufus? No, nah, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do life all by myself. I'm going to do life alone. I don't need you, me, myself, and I. And they're like, no, Rufus. I'm interpreting because I, spe- I interpret wildebeest. I've got the spiritual <laughs> gift. It's more like, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're yelling at each other. And they're saying, come on, get back in the pack, Rufus. Get back over here, buddy. Get back in the pack. It's safe in the family. And Rufus is like, no, I've been burned in the family. I've been, I've been treated badly in the family. I was, I was bumped in the family. Someone talked bad about my mama when I was in the family. I'm going to do life all over here by myself. Me, myself, and I. What's going on meanwhile? The lions, right? Lions, they're creeping up. <laughs> they're excited because they thought they were going to fast today. They thought they were going to get no food, but they see little Rufus out there wandering around. And so they're out there and they're creeping up. They're getting closer. And Rufus is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm doing life all by my own. And he's, oh, where's the butterfly? And he's just out there chasing butterflies. And what happens? Pow! And the lion tears through Rufus in his hind quarter. And he's like, what happened to my hind quarter? Where's, my, where's half of my body? It's over there in the field. What does the Bible say? The enemy 
prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, when we in life, when we get separated, when we get isolated, you say, say, Bob, it's just too risky. I've been hurt in relationships. I've been, I've, I've, I've joined a church before. I've, I've done that life before. I've been, I've been hurt in relationships. I've seen the dark side of being connected. I'll tell you this. Life in isolation is so much riskier than doing life together to trust relationship again. I went to school in Texas for a little while and they had, they had a saying down there. Just because mama burnt the biscuits doesn't mean you don't go back in the kitchen again. Maybe here in Wisconsin, it's just because daddy burnt the bratwurst on the Weber grill. Doesn't mean you don't go eat another bratwurst with sauerkraut on it again. Because you all know we're from Wisconsin and we're going to eat another bratwurst. Go trust relationships again. Sometimes life can leave a bad taste in your mouth. Sometimes there's things that happen in life, in family, in church, in relationships, and it's worth it. It's worth it to take the risk and to trust in relationships. I believe there's people here today. There's people at a campus. You guys in Point, Appleton, West Green. There's people that are here today and you're saying, you know what? I feel like I'm drifting. I feel like I'm little Rufus out there and I'm all by myself and, and life is just so hard. I feel like I'm targeted. I feel like nothing's working and there's, there's just so much pain. It's, it, it's hard a lot of times because you're not set in family. What did the Bible say? It said God Almighty sets the lonely in families. There's nothing greater than being set in family. I believe God can do that for you here today. Why don't we pray together? I want to pray for everyone right now. I want to pray for every person. In a a moment, uh, Pastor Lathan is going to come up and give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ because that's where family begins, saying yes to Christ. But what I want to do is pray for every person. Your heads are bowed and you're praying. I want to pray for every person that feels like you're drifting. Maybe you feel like you're a loner. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I'm not planted. I'm not connected. I'm not living that life. All these things, but you feel like you're alone. I want to encourage you today because I believe that God can heal you. You may have been hurt. You may have been disappointed. You may have experienced rejection in your life. You may have experienced the dark side of relationships. But Jesus is a healer, and he's a healer of broken relationships. And he can heal you, and you can believe again, and you can have a fresh start in your life. Father, I pray for every person here today that needs a fresh start in family. I pray for every life, every mom, every dad, every man, every woman, every young person that's here today. I pray right now, God, as your scripture says, that you would set the lonely in families. There's no pain like the pain of loneliness. When you feel like everyone else has walked out, I'm, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus walks in when everybody else walks out. Plant yourself in God's family. Believe God for a fresh start in your life. God, I pray for every life here right now in the name of Jesus, a fresh start being planted in God's family. Amen.